0: Podcast Robert and Keith here with you today on a beautiful summer day in South Central Texas. We are uh, into our second episode on Fueling Station Number Five. God is a hoodie. Last episode we talked about abiding in Christ and what that means. Um, it's almost impossible to have a discussion about abiding in Christ without getting into the symbolism or the words putting on Christ or wearing Christ or uh, some other version of what effectively is a, a garment symbol. And so mm. we have a an extensive study guide for this episode. Um, so extensive, actually, that uh, we'll go to it real quick. I'll show it to you. It's 14 pages long and it's got a lot of scripture and a lot of detail. There's a lot to this garment theology uh, that Keith has spent a lot of time breaking down and, and working through. And rather than spending the next three to five hours uh, of your time doing that, what Keith and I have decided to do is to kind of summarize this into what should be a roughly an hour-long podcast. We will we will scratch well into the surface but we won't necessarily dig all the way down into you know the the cool dirt of uh you know of digging a well on this one um if it turns Mm -hmm. out that you, you would really like to uh for us to see us dig deep we'll probably come back to it later after we've done a bunch of the other episodes and come back and do the three to five hours worth of work on this but if there's questions that maybe we touched on something and you know you you wanted to see us go deeper or just had a question on something absolutely feel free to reach out to us and we happy to interact and clarify if we get enough feedback that says man you guys just have to do the three to five hours worth of work on this and 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 show us all of the uh what all of this 14 page document means um happy to do that too we just need your feedback but we think we're going to do a pretty good job at this and with that, I'm going to uh, switch over to our outline version of this, rather than the big document, and uh, and hand it off to Keith. Keith, welcome.
1: Yeah, hey guys, good to be back. Um, very important topic today in our practical living out the gospel and pursuing the goal of the gospel. And we've been over that many, many times about the promise of inheritance um, and the race to the kingdom. So one of the ways in which we are inspired by the New Testament writers, in particularly Apostle Paul, is through garment thinking. Uh, The garment theology actually started in the book of Genesis. So we're going to take you back real quick. Thinking about Adam and Eve in the garden, being naked, no clothing whatsoever, and completely unashamed, right, where we want to go back to. Um, And I can't, I can't tell you enough uh, how austin texas which is not too far away from us right here they really want to go back to that because of all their nudist colonies and and we just we just don't get it
0: yeah wasn't sure exactly. if you're going to go there or not i'm glad you did. so
1: i know the the idea behind our soul not being ashamed is the key to the understanding really has nothing to do with our physical nakedness but it has everything to do with being exposed for our evil and what has affected now our heart so that when adam and eve sinned in the garden they had to receive a clothing to cover their shame so this was symbolic by god even though the the root problem was now in the heart God used the external clothing to represent something that he was going to eventually deal with, which was the heart. And he did that through the ministry of Jesus Christ, which was promised by sending a new ruler. So eventually this ruler would crush the head of the serpent. The head of the serpent, of course, is the ruler of this world trying to get us to live his way, trying to get us to live in his kingdom of darkness, and try trying to make us a slave to sin, which God hates. And so God dealt with that by sending his son, and we know the root of that story, and we will dive a little bit deeper into the implications of that. As we go through this, we want to point out a prophecy, though, that was given in Isaiah chapter 61. Robert, will you read
0: that for us? Yeah, let me switch switch over to that. Got to use the right piece of software for that. And we've got that here. So uh, we'll just go to the, the 10, uh, Isaiah sixty-one yeah. ten. Yeah, I yeah. will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. For he hath clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and the bride adorns herself with jewels. Okay, so really important prophetic um,
1: event that is going to happen and the This particular passage um, that was started in um, chapter 61 verses 1 through 4 were given in Luke chapter 4 verse 18 through 21. It's when Jesus went to the temple, he stood up, he opened the scroll of Isaiah. He said, I've come to set the captives free, to give sight to the blind, proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He goes into quoting Isaiah 61 because his mission was actually to to clothe a people in garments of salvation and a robe of righteousness. And so these two chapters, I will just hope that you guys will go and really take a look, read the entire chapter. It talks about the sons of God and the double portion of inheritance that are going to be given. These all relate to the garments of salvation. So in order to describe these, we're going to remind you of the three aspects of salvation that the Bible talks about. It talks about the past tense, justification, the works of Christ on our behalf as the Lamb of God. It talks about the work of the Holy Spirit in sanctification, salvation, which is the process that we're going through to become like God, created in the image of God, and being restored back to that image, and that requires our participation. And then the third level of salvation is the future inheritance that we can receive as faithful runners of this race and so the garments that we're going to suggest to you are the three garments of salvation number one being the tunic so the tunic is something that went against the skin it was made of silk this was the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf we had to accept it it was a gift not by works lest any man boast Very important understanding of the Lamb of God and the blood of Jesus washing us clean, giving us forgiveness of sin. That cannot be taken away. That cannot be defiled. That was done, accomplished by the work of Jesus. Then our work started. The race to the kingdom began. And we entered this race by the... um, um, Adoption or the deposit of the Holy Spirit. This spirit now represents the cloak, which is the garment, the second garment of salvation. It is the outward cloak. We're going to go into some really important verses about this garment. And then the third garment is represented, excuse me, by glorification, the promised inheritance to those who race well and are not disqualified from receiving this inheritance. So this will be um, uh, the three aspects of salvation, which represent three different garments. And as we focus right now on the garment of sanctification, we're going to give you some things that have been easily, easily misunderstood and twisted to to be applied in the wrong way, and we're going to hopefully bring some clarity to that. So,
0: if if Robert, if you'll read, um, I think it's Ephesians chapter four. We actually had Second uh, uh, Corinthians seven set up first, but we can go Ephesians. Actually, it's five twenty-five and. Uh, 525 husbands, and no, love your four, wives 424. Four 424. All right. We can do that too. I didn't have that one written yeah. down, but Hey, we're winging this today. Um, <laughs> and yeah, if you'll, if you'll read 22 through 24, 22 through 24. Got it. Let me highlight that so everybody can see it as I read it and I can see it as I read it. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So we have, we have a command. So these are written
1: in command form in the Greek. And there are many, many commands, just like laws. We can call them laws. Commands are laws, just like the Ten Commandments. And it's the New Testament understanding of walking by faith in Christ in order to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a life pleasing to God. And so in order to do that, we need to put off Our old lives that were dominated in sin and we were taken captive by Satan to do his will. And now we are renewing our mind in the truth of God, which is the word of God, in order to live a life pleasing to God by putting on our new self created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So we want to show you these verses because they do pertain to our current work of salvation called sanctification. It's not a request. It is a command that we need to live by every day. It's actually written in the present um, tense, and it is an ongoing tense. So it is something that we are to live out every moment of the day so um what else what other verse do we have robert so we we got second
0: corinthians 7 1 since we have these promises beloved let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of our body and spirit bringing holiness to completion in the fear of god okay
1: so again we have an understanding that this is actually a warning This is a warning not to defile your garments. So when our garments get dirty and we do not cleanse ourselves in the fear of the Lord, meaning that we don't repent, we don't come back to his ways to please him, then we remain in defiled garments. This has great implications to the end of our race, to the warnings of the day of the Lord. To the warnings of him judging us for what we have done in the body, so Robert, will you jump on over to Romans thirteen thirteen for me?
0: Yeah. So while I do that, I mean, what we're talking about on all this, right, Keith, is that the idea that the undergarments, like you said, can't be—you know, those are our—it's our underwear. It's the it's the silk garments that he gave us when, um, when he died on the cross for us. But, and then now we're talking about really that this, this next level, your, what they call the, the cloak, um, for us, it would be basically anything you put over your, your undergarments. So pants, jacket, uh, shirts, you know, the idea that this is the stuff that these, that we are wearing every single day, right? This is, this is Mm -hmm. our everyday life that we're talking about these are the garments that we're the cloak uh, is the sort of the generic term now, but for this in the Bible, but you know, this is our everyday stuff. So this is who we are and who we're becoming and who we once were. When we talk about taking off the old man or the old cloak, that's who we used to be. When we talk about putting on Jesus's cloak or the new cloak or a clean cloak, uh, that's what we're talking about is that who we are every day, right? And one of the other
1: analogies that um, will come to light as we go through this is just the same with us. If, if you were to see me in my underwear, okay, you would consider me to be naked. It's very much the same in, the, in that culture. Mm-hmm. So o- over in the Jewish culture in Israel, to just have your tunic on, you were considered naked. But there were men who would go out to work a, a normal job, like a fisherman, like Peter, and he would have taken off his outer garment in order to be free to do work on the boat. And, but this was in no way appropriate in public. So, so just to let you know, the same analogy today um, I need to have clothing on to cover my shame, the shame of my nakedness. We're applying this now to the heart of God. I want to make sure that I'm wearing Christ. I'm putting on Christ. I'm putting on what the teachings of Christ, so that I may walk in a way that pleases God. Is all about living a a life from the heart, empowered by the Holy Spirit, no longer to be a slave to sin, but in order to live a life of righteousness and holiness that is set apart for him. So these are the analogies given to the church. Um, Romans thirteen thirteen. Yep, is um, is another admonition. So again, Paul making his argument uh, to the called out ones in Christ, he says, um, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. So so do you see that all of that is our old self, Mm -hmm. but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh, to gratify its desires so again same command understanding what we now as called out believers are supposed to live like and and we're not going to go to this verse but everybody's familiar with the whole armor of god right robert so mm-hmm. ephesians chapter 6 put on the armor of god
0: breastplate so of righteousness the helmet yeah. of salvation <laughs>
1: All those aspects of Christ, all those aspects of his teaching. Why? To take a stand. To be able to live a life of victory over the enemy. And so to put on Christ is a command because God knows that if we do not remain in Christ, if we do not abide in Christ, we can do nothing. We can't bear fruit, and we will be taken out by the enemy. So this has great warnings to the church, and it has great implications for the return of Christ. So this is why all of these passages are um, are used. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I will just quote you guys from Colossians 3, 9 through 10. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. So these are all over the epistles, all over the new Testament teaching to the church. And we just want to, we want to really hit that home
0: because this is our practical life, right? Yep. This is, this is, this is what we have to do every day. And guys, all of these, um, all of these passages, actually, we're using are in the that our study guide. If you if you don't want to try to flip around and keep keep up with Keith and I, uh, I know from firsthand experience keeping up with Keith on scripture is is hard to do. <laughs> um, so you got a pause button, or you can just uh, also download that study guide, and the quotes are also in the study guide as well. So um, so. Keith, one of the interesting ones, and you and I talked about during, you know, when we were trying to write the summary and stuff, uh, was James 5, uh, five one. And I want to go to that because this is one that kind of doesn't get sort of a lot of. Um, it's not one you just kind of go to, or, or it's one when you read it, you kind of go, oh, I never really thought about it that way, right? James 5, 1 through 3. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Hmm. So, uh, you know, we're moth-eaten and gives you some imagery, but Kind of explained a you know this almost feels like end times type stuff, right? But but it it really is about the judgment on on glorification, right? And it is, and and
1: that's what we're always referring to in race to the kingdom. We're we're racing for the inheritance that's available to us in Christ, and when you look at The garment theology, you actually have three very interesting um, warnings about the church who has done something to those garments. Here's one of them in James. They have allowed their garments to be moth-eaten. Okay. Um, That means you had to have the garment, right? So you had to have the garment to begin with. You got to go. Number two. Number two, the church at Laodicea in Revelation chapter three also thought they were rich. So, this is James talking to the rich. This is rich in spirit. Remember, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, Matthew chapter five. So, those who believe they're rich in spirit and in need of nothing are the ones who don't understand garment theology, okay? And so Laodicea had actually removed their outer garment, and we have that further down in our study guide that you can go to the website and take a look at. Um, There's another application, which is defiling your garments, getting them dirty, Mm -hmm. So, so all of this pertains, again, to whether or not we're living a life pleasing to God, pleasing to the Holy Spirit, pleasing to our Lord. So when we look at moth-eaten garments, Robert, um, what do you think of? What do you think of?
0: Uh, You think of the stuff that's been stored away in a closet for a long time (laughs) and not paying attention to, right? Uh, See,
1: that's exactly right. So, so if this outer garment, when I go to bed at night, I am sleeping in my pajamas, that would be considered my tunic, silk, right? Who has silk PJs? My wife does. So you have these silk PJs and they're comfortable, they're easy to sleep in. That is what we do at night. When we wake up in the morning, we clothe ourselves. Okay. And that would be the cloak of righteousness of putting on Christ that day. Mm-hmm. So if we don't and we keep those garments in the closet, they're going to become moth-eaten. This is another analogy of us not doing the works of Christ, not living the life that's pleasing to God.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So let's jump from that, Robert, to Ephesians chapter 5. And while he's doing that, I want to just tell you that another huge analogy to the church, as the church is written in the feminine, um, ekklesia, the Greek word, is written in the feminine, it's, it's the bride of Christ. It's the understanding that Christ is looking for a wife, And he has shed his blood and given a deposit so that he can prepare this bride. The exact same way, I might add, to Adam being put asleep in the garden, a rib taken from Adam and fashioned into his wife, made, formed, fashioned into a suitable what? Helper. That's exactly what's happening right now. We have the helper, the Holy Spirit, who's been given to the church in order to help them be prepared Mm -hmm. to make a wedding garment suitable for marriage. This is the analogy that the Bible gives about a wedding garment. And Jesus, when he comes back, will select his bride who is ready.
0: So let's let's step back uh, a small step and because and I, I, I know I certainly didn't understand the, the ancient Hebrew wedding tradition,
1: and mm, that had right.
0: a tremendous bearing on what you just said, right? Okay, very so much. The, mm. the, the, the woman was betrothed generally by the father, his or her father, to uh, a man. Right. Mm-hmm. And then that man paid a, you know, a deposit, basically, some, you know, gave up some of his money. And then he went off for, I think you told me, uh, go ahead and you finish it, but because I, I, I'm not clear, I don't want to mess up the details after this, but there's, there's, this all makes mm-hmm. sense. Right. Yeah. So you, you see this story
1: in bits and pieces used just like the race theme of the Corinthian games and the Roman games of of today would be our olympic games so all these analogies are used to describe the kingdom in some way shape or form and so when you're looking at the marriage analogy and the way that god designed marriage in the jewish culture you did have a groom that would court and present a offer of marriage called a betrothal to another family. That family and that woman in that family, the father would approve and would give his bride away. And she would then accept that marriage proposal and then be responsible for taking what the bridegroom left her, in order to prepare herself for when he would return. And so the way in which those weddings were set up is that the bridegroom would leave and give her a deposit of some kind. That deposit would be used for her good works of preparing her wedding garment. He would leave for usually what would be considered a year. So, nine months to a year or a little bit over, she would be searching for him. She would be waiting for him patiently, doing the works that she has been given to do. And then he would return and he would signal his return with an entourage and a trumpet call. And then she would know it was him. She would come out and present herself wholly and unblemished, and prepared for her groom. If she was not, the culture frowned significantly upon this virgin who was now defiled and not suitable for the marriage of the groom. And so that would be that she was cut off from the contract of betrothal and now the marriage was off. So again, will Christ come back for everyone? No. He will come back for a prepared bride. Okay. And that prepared bride is the analogies and, that he gives through his parables. And we've gone through that in, um, in one of our other podcasts. Mm-hmm. So, so, so the- that's the analogy of the wedding.
0: What I like about that is it gives some uh, context to the um to when Jesus tells his disciples, you know, I must go away to prepare a place for you. Right. Yeah, that's right. The it- husband is mm-hmm. going away. Usually that time he was building or buying a house, right? And and preparing Actually, a place he was, for them. He was, yeah, he was adding
1: on to his father's house.
0: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Right? I did not know that, which not, even gives it yeah. even more relevance. <laughs> right? Yeah, even more relevant. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh-huh. Um, you know, and so and, what is? Go ahead. What does this verse say? Uh, in five twenty-five. Five twenty-five. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. That he may, might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish.
1: Yeah, it, it's very interesting to, to notice the word she might, he might present. Okay, this is not a guarantee. This is, it's not the guarantee of his first work of salvation, Mm -hmm. which was justification. That was a guarantee. Sanctification needs our participation. That's our good works. Our good works are not to grieve the Holy Spirit, but to participate in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, and not in the flesh, so that we will not gratify the desires of the flesh and be disqualified. And that is why the Bible speaks in that language. And so this is a, this is a groom and a bride language. Um, it was meant to be understood from the top down, from Christ to us, as well as Robert and I knowing our role to our physical wives right now, that we are to love her enough to wash her clean as well so that that's a very important understanding practically as we live out our
0: earthly lives um with our wives on on the earth um so and we kind of skip go ahead i was going to say we kind of skipped ahead a little bit it was a good transition but one of the things i wanted to make sure that we covered keith was this idea that you know based on the The condition of your cloak, what the what what the robes might be, and you just touched on it just a little bit with the with the parables and the and and which we've worked on before. But I want to make sure that we kind of went through that because it's it's sort of the key key ending to this work, right? It's the it's the reason we're doing this, right? I agree, and so the the.
1: The actual robe of righteousness Jesus ended up wearing a a full robe in the book of Revelation after he had conquered and overcome and finished his race he received glorification well it's the same it's the same thing for us when even king david wore these robes as a king they represent royalty they represent the greatest expression of inheritance to rule and reign again with Adam, with the last Adam, with Christ, during his millennial kingdom reign. And so this becomes a very important understanding to the church of something that they're racing towards. They're racing for this privilege It's not a guaranteed privilege, which is why the warnings about Eve being deceived, just like in the garden. So 2 Corinthians chapter 11, um, I'm going to have Robert read that again. And we will see that the warnings to the church are that they will not receive the glorified inheritance, what we're that we're calling the robe of righteousness, that they will be disqualified from receiving that. And this represents the promise that we are racing for.
0: What? So, uh, chapter yeah, second. 11. Yeah. And what verses? Yeah, one through three okay. there. All right. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do not, do bear with me, for I feel divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pur- pure vision to Christ. But I am afraid that the serpent, Eve, the serpent that deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ.
1: Yeah. And so we also have another article. Um, it's, it's called The True Gospel. Um, very important article. There's actually a few other uh, ministries out there that have adopted this understanding of the kingdom that have written um, some other articles on this. And so the the way that the Corinthian church was being deceived was it was adopting the garments of Corinth. The garments of Corinth were sin. They were bringing leaven back into the house of God. And that was the warning to Corinthians. You need to stop defiling your garments and you need to live a life of holiness, pleasing to God. So repent and come back. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid that you will be deceived like Eve was. And you're accepting another gospel and another Jesus. And so your sincere and pure devotion to Christ as a bride will be defiled. Mm-hmm. And, and so this has great implications. Um, Paul's building his argument to the church. And so just like in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 if you'll just go there real quick Robert Paul is been building this argument to the church that hey guys I'm going to I'm going to only preach to you Christ and him crucified this this good news that you have the power to overcome and to live a life pleasing to God so you You've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. Mm-hmm. You have the power of God to live a life pleasing to him. But I'm afraid that maybe I've preached to you in vain. Mm-hmm. So as we look at, um, uh, now I would remind you, this is verse one, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand, and in which you are being saved if you hold fast. So this is an if statement. This is a conditional statement about being saved. And so this statement is what Paul is deathly afraid of in the church, that he has been preaching to them this gospel to the kingdom, this race to the kingdom in vain. And the rest of this chapter actually tells you the inheritance of your glorified body, an imperishable garment that you can have. And this is what's at stake. Okay? This Uh, is not just, this this is not just, I want to clarify one thing. This is not just a resurrected body. Okay? Mm -hmm. This is not from the dead back to the earth. This is a glorified body, very, clear distinction in scripture that is a conditional inheritance it's a conditional reward when paul said we're racing for the incorruptible crown these crowns of glory that represent our eternal glorified garment that we can have and we can inherit but we can also lose that
0: is what we're speaking about in race to the kingdom. Yeah, and we've talked about some of that before, but and and here, uh, you know, we got some very sort of specific summaries here that mm-hmm. that I I think really kind of just lay it out in black and white to me, at least, and, and maybe even more so than I think maybe you and I have ever done in a podcast. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that's the idea that hey, at glorification we're going to receive our our robe, right? Our yep. our ceremonial robe. And so, you know, we, we kind of summarize, tried to try to pick it out here, you know, what do you get if you got dirty garments? If you are, you know, if you're if if you know you haven't done a good job, if you if your cloak is moth eaten or your 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 cloak the is, <laughs> is filthy, right? yeah exactly you're not going to get a robe over the top of it right um i mean nobody puts a a robe over dirty clothes
1: and Uh, that uh, again that's a privilege it's a privileged robe based on the works that will be judged at the bema seat of christ over his people mm -hmm. and to be given that is an is a great honor and these are the warnings to the churches that they will fall short of receiving this and entering what is actually called life this is the abundant life we are actually racing for the abundant life in christ right now the practical life is to live a life pleasing to god that's called the abundant life it's a quality of life that pleases him and because we pleased him He grants us these inheritance and rewards at the end of our life. When the new age begins, which would be in the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. And when you you put this understanding in the backdrop of all theology, everything flows in harmony together in light of the three tenses of salvation which we've already ex- explained in another um yeah. big cast. But I, I'll just tell you, they all harmonize for the unity of the faith in which we're all to help one another in this race. So, because I don't want Robert to miss out on this, he doesn't want me to miss out. We're not just selfishly thinking of ourselves, because if we were, we would miss out. <laughs> so so this idea of me helping robert in obedience to christ's commands to help one another to hold one another accountable whoever turns a brother from the error of their ways will save their soul from death and cover over a multitude of sin we're supposed to be helping one another run a faithful race walk in the spirit run the race and receive the crown And this crown, yeah, this crown, I will tell you, most of the body of Christ, what we've run into, has no clue that this really truly is the message of salvation that we lost in the garden. So when we got kicked out of that privilege of being intimate with God, receiving the privileges of rulership with God. And by the way, another thought that is talked about in our article the garment that we get to put on is actually the land promise
0: yeah so So we get yeah it it it, i i i really like kind of how we summarize this here by using the 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 three parables right so if you've done let's call it good work right your you righteousness you've mm-hmm. done a, a good job, you know, you've, you've, you're, you're, a sheep, not a goat. Then you're, you're absolutely, you're known by Jesus. Right. And then if you've been proven through good stewardship, you know, then you get, then there's priestly robes and you're a trusted mm-hmm. friend of Jesus. Right. And then if you've done that intimate, really hard work to be, known intimately with Jesus, you're a bride of Jesus. And yeah. I mean, this to me puts it into some context that maybe, you know, at least I was able to sort of get my fingers around. Cause when you talk about the kingdom and, you know, it's like, well, is it a space? Is it a, is it a, you know, is it, is it land? Is it treasure? Is it relationship? You know, as a Christian, the idea that, Well, God knows me, you know, and at least he knows me. Well, that's a pretty good thing, right? When you're, when a celebrity or somebody (laughs) who you idolize actually remembers your name and and says, Oh, hey, Robert, you know, it's like, Oh, wow, I didn't realize he even knew my name. Kind of special, right? But then you look up to the guys that are, or are the people in that person's life or that, you know, uh, that are the, are, are amongst his inner circle, if you will, right? And then, and you're like, wow, I'd really love to be trusted by this person to be a part of their inner circle, that they trust Mm. me enough to, to, to share responsibilities in their life, you know, in their roles with them, with me. And then ultimately you're like, man, it must be truly awesome to be that person's spouse, to be around that person all the time and have that intimate relationship where, Tells you everything, and you tell him everything and stuff, right? And the mm. the cleanliness and the the condition of our cloak tells us what kind of robe we're going to be handed um, at that day of glorification. Is that? I mean, am, am I just barking up something that just sounds so cool that I just love it, or is that accurate?
1: <laughs> to you? Yeah, it's, a, it's really a great incentive. Um, it's a great incentive to be a disciple that counts the cost of living a life pleasing to God, which is the more difficult path. And that's really what the, the call was to go and make disciples. Um, so the incentive is huge. The loss of that is huge. The idea of pressure that we have to to live this life is a wonderful thing. It's not a negative thing. This idea of like, like in anything that we do in our life today of working hard to achieve the amount of success and bonuses and privileges based on that work. There's a reason why we live that way. We're made in the image of God. He created it. And it's no different in his kingdom. Mm -hmm. So the difference was, and we've already explained this, is that Christ has made the playing field level. There's no partiality. There is no favor. Everybody is equal. Through justification, everyone's on the same level. And we're all racing. And so this is important understanding because we mix those up. No, there's no difference between people in, in, in heaven. Okay. This is so many cliches that are out there based on wrong viewpoints of salvation. And we have to rightly divide scripture to show the different stages and ages that we've discussed in our articles to show that this is a very, very big incentive and God is presenting it to us, his church. So we hope that, um, you know, we hope that you guys are encouraged. We hope that you guys are, um, you know, understanding this. There's so much more that we could use to support this. Please go to the article um, because it does list quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And please write in because we can we can field your questions easily yeah. And, yeah.
0: and help you with those. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we just threw down, I, I don't think we've, we've yet to throw down the gauntlet quite as dramatically as we just did as far as that there's a result to this race. And mm-hmm. guys, we understand that you're going to go, whoa, that's not what I've been taught. Um, many of you have not been taught that. Because that's mm-hmm. just not what the traditional church wants to tell you. Uh, they want to mm-hmm. tell you that, you know, here's your get out of hell free card. It's heaven or it's hell, and it's 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 binary. Mm-hmm. It's a one or it's a zero, and um and there's a lot of stuff in the Bible uh, that that tells you it's not just it's not binary, right? Mm-hmm. That it there is there is levels to this. So. We're going to wrap this up with um, with Revelation 22.14, uh, yeah. which will kind of drive home that point. So let me switch over to that real quick. 22.14. There we go. Keith, would you?
1: Yeah. So in 22, which is the last chapter of Revelation, which is a summary, actually, of the book of revelation blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates because outside are the dogs and the sorcerers the sexually immoral murderers idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood this admonition is behold jesus is coming to give his recompense, to repay each one for what they have done in the body, whether good or bad. So during this age of, which is actually called eternal life, that's what we did when we myth busted John 316 age long life, this life that has been promised by the king who is going to return. He's promising to rule and reign with him for a thousand years. Don't miss out on this wonderful opportunity.
0: And with that, we're going to wrap this episode up. And next episode, we're going to talk about uh, the pitfall of the wages of, uh, and I assume by wages, we mean the wages of sin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so guys, uh, at my standard admonition, i um, If you enjoy what we're doing, please give us uh, ratings on the social media platforms so that uh, other folks can find us. Um, More than that, I think even important than that at this point in our growth is just to share the links and share this information with your friends and uh, interact with us any way that you feel like you want to, info at racetothekingdom.org. Our comment so- section on YouTube is open and free unless you write something that the artificial intelligence on YouTube deems to be potentially offensive, in which case <laughs> it'll uh, send it to us first, but otherwise everything gets posted up there. So um, we really do look forward to interacting with you and, and um, hope you join us uh, in this journey and hope we hopefully you bring friends, pastors, uh, anybody that you think can... Benefit from this discussion into um, into this circle. So, with that, we're going to sign off. Say goodbye, Keith.
1: Hey, see you guys! And as always, run the race faithfully.